This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 34, to help mark PADT's 25th anniversary, some of our ANSYS users talk about how simulation has changed in the past 25 years. Hi there, my name is Eric Miller, and I'm one of the owners here at PADT. And this is, as we said, episode 34. We're going to mostly have our roundtable discussion, so let's get through the introductions quickly and get to what we have to say and hear what people uh, have to contribute to the discussion. We've had uh, 9,776 total downloads over 33 episodes, so we're holding steady around that 300 mark. Um, we have been working on sound. I've been going to... Uh, online to listen to some tutorials on how to use some of the more sophisticated tools in Adobe Audible in order to try and get uh, some of that fan noise down. So hopefully that will help. I'm, I'm recording in my spare bedroom at home right now, which is very quiet. Maybe we should just have everybody come here. Um, and I'm using a microphone on my Microsoft Surface, which is not bad. So uh, a little bit too much inside baseball there. Do let us know how we're doing at podcast at padtinc.com. Uh, as mentioned in uh, previous episodes, uh, we, this was our 25th anniversary month, and we celebrated by spamming everybody about it, so there should be no person in the world of simulation that doesn't know we turned 25, and we threw a really nice party that was a lot of fun with about 350 people came out. Uh, by, by counting the number of plates served, we're estimating over 350 people, so it was a great event. As part of this continued celebration, we wanted to get our simulation team together to really talk about how simulation has changed over the past 25 years. Um, and and we, we, of course, went a little bit further back than 25 years, and we also talked about the future. I was joined by Ted Harris, Tom Chadwick, Sina Godes, and Alex Gershon, and we had a lot of fun. It's a bit long, but hopefully you will get the enthusiasm we have for these tools. Please do enjoy. Well, we're here for a group discussion today. Uh, as those of you who listen regularly to the podcast know, the ADC had our 25th anniversary just a few weeks ago. We, hopefully some of you were able to come to our big party. Those that weren't, you were missed. Hopefully you virtually uh, celebrated with us. So we thought it would be great to kind of have a discussion about what's happened in simulation over the last 25 years. Um, and we can go f- uh, the plus or minus 10. <laughs> we, can, we, we don't have to be very accurate about it. We can go back further. We can, we can, we can start there. But really, you know, simulation has changed a lot since PADT was founded in 1994, for those that don't want to do the math. So um, let's go around the table and introduce ourselves and pick a guesstimate of how long you've been doing some sort of simulation. We'll start with you, Ted. So this is Ted Harris, uh, head up our simulation support group here at PADT. And I've been using simulation tools for getting close to 32 years. Tom? This is Tom Chadwick. I'm one of the uh, CFD support people here at PADT. And I'm with Ted. I've been using uh, CFD since uh, 1987, summer of 1987. There you go. Almost 32 years. Very good. I'm uh, Sina Goats. I'm also a CFD support here at PADT uh, and use. uh, Simulation tools, I think actually my grad study would be uh, 12 years of, 10 to 12 years of uh, experience. Very good. I'm Alex Grisham. I'm a consulting engineer here at PADT. I've been here for uh, 21 years, and I've been using uh, 
ANSYS in particular, uh, for nearly 23 or 24 years. Yeah, and I'm Eric Miller. I'm one of the owners here at PADT, and I first used ANSYS my second day of my first full-time paying job. The first day was spent going through HR orientation, and they sat me down in front of this terminal with a book that said, learn this new tool called ANSYS. Um, I mispronounced it, I think is ANSYS, or I had some crazy uh, pronunciation I didn't know. Um, and, and I think it was three point something. And so that was um, 30, we, I did the math before, 33 years, 33 years, 33 years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's been my, my exposure to it. So um, let's just open it up to a discussion of what's the biggest change you've seen any of the, the last 25 years or since you started using simulation, either one? I'll go first. Yeah. So I, I've been thinking about this and, you know, it's hard to say what is the biggest, but certainly one of the biggest ones is being able to run a simulation on a PC. 25, 30 years ago, right. you just, you couldn't do it. I mean, all of the simulations ran on mainframes or at the time, Unix mm-hmm. workstations, machines like that. And your PC was where you wrote your reports. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I would, have, I would have to say for me, the biggest thing has been the graphical user interface. Yeah. And just the ability to manipulate things and look at them. Uh, when I started using it, we had to write uh, a Fortran name list input to generate our mesh. Mm-hmm. You just had to specify each node point by point. Mm-hmm. And you could never visualize it until the very end. You generate a plot and either the plot would look right or it wouldn't. But there was no way to graphically move things around and look at them. It was all very crude back then. Yeah. And that <clears throat> reminds me that, you know, in the old days when Eric and I were starting, mm-hmm. you didn't mesh in the software. You drew your mesh on a big piece of mylar and then you went to a big digitizing table and digitized it node by node in node number order. And then you went back to your keyboard and you typed in the element connectivity. We used to read it to each other. One guy would type and one guy would read the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, barbarians. Barbarians. (laughs) (laughs) And then at some point, somebody actually got a PC hooked up to the table that you could download a text file out of. And we wrote code to convert that text file into something usable. We still had to do manual input. Yeah. That, that would be my biggest one is just pre-processing in general how it's changed yeah. so much uh, over the years. How about you guys? Yeah, so uh, I haven't been using uh, FEA for quite that long. So I, I came in when automatic measures were already getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, the biggest change, I'd have to go with Tom on this too, has been the graphical user interface. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, this, the, Basically, the, the modern GUIs that are now wrapped around a lot of these old codes, it's not just ANSYS. Mm-hmm. A lot of our competitors do the same thing. Yep. Where you start with an old battleship of Fortran code, <laughs> put a nice modern uh, .NET GUI around it. Mm-hmm. Now, that that has and continues to make a large difference, a huge difference. In ANSYS's case, that GUI provides not just the front end, but also sort of a, a central uh, hub for connecting all the other products yes. to ANSYS so that we can now connect seamlessly to other products. Some of them aren't even FE codes. And that's uh, that's been a big change. Yep. Huge. How about you, Samantha? 
<laughs> oh, to me, uh, besides uh, points that you mentioned, uh, like GUI and then, then uh, laptops capable of uh, handling larger problems, I think the, one of the biggest things to me is uh, replacing or replacing the models that we used to be uh, part of the simulation and instead of using models directly uh, resolving the physics with higher temporal and spatial resolution, basically. Uh, it's kind of amazing how uh, those models are not critical anymore, mm -hmm. as, as you, can, you can resolve the physics uh, directly with, with higher resolution. Yeah, so one of the things I had on my list was memory. No. I mean, in the old days. The numbers, yeah. Yes. We were oh, so yeah. limited in problem size. I think maybe 40,000 elements was about all you could solve. Yeah, 30 years ago, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, could, you could substructure yeah. mm -hmm. and link various parts of the model back together, mm -hmm. but that was in a linear way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a huge difference. That is, the, the model sizes we can wrestle with today are just unheard of yeah. 20, 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember running on. A Cray computer that I think had, I want to say, 16 or 32 megabytes of memory. Massive. Cray. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was like the multi-million dollar yeah. machine that just... And that's that also explains why uh, the Ansysolve were so heavily I.O. dependent. Right. Yeah. So so everything had to be written to disk because there was no memory. Yeah. 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 So if we, if we look at specifically 25 years... As part of our anniversary, we're doing a time capsule. And in a box, I found the first report, FEA report we had written when PADT was founded. And it's probably still, I, I doubt if they're, it's still under NDA, but I won't say who the customer was just in case. But it, it, it was, I look at it and I think, oh my gosh, I spent uh, two weeks creating that mesh by hand. So it was on a, uh, a SGI Iris workstation. So there was a GUI. Um, but you know, we, I basically had to create the geometry in blocks, merge the blocks, then mesh the blocks as hexes. We didn't really have reliable tets at that time. We were just getting into using tets more. Um, and this, this particular problem, uh, because we had limited hardware when we started the company, we bought these smaller used Unix workstations. Um, I had to hand mesh it so it would fit. We could, I take that back. We could have used tets, but it just wouldn't fit on the machine. So I hex meshed it. And I want to say that thing ran. Each load case probably took about two to three hours to run. It's probably something that if you gave me the CAD file, I would have all the results I had in that two weeks or three weeks worth of work done in probably about four to five hours now. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's the GUI, it's the meshers, it's the elements, right? We've got right. better elements now, better element technology now. Mm -hmm. um, and just how fast it is. And that was a linear problem. That, now we could solve it nonlinear quite easily. So, boy, there's been a, you know, I think the big thanks we should give over the past 25 years is Intel and the memory makers and the disk drive makers who have really changed yeah. compute power. Well, let's not, let's not forget the parallel architecture. The parallel architecture, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, being yeah. able to have multiple cores run across multiple cores. If you youngins out there, there used to just be one processor per yeah. chip back in the day. Yeah. And, and the cost of hardware, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It used to be millions of dollars to get a machine yes. that you could run Ansys yeah. on. Yes. Moore's, yeah. Moore's Law written all over it. It's, it's, yeah, lots of people have benefited. The internet wouldn't yeah. exist without it, blah, blah, blah. 
but simulation is certainly one of those industries. Um, you know, maybe maybe computer animation for entertainment uh, is is similar in that way, and that what we do now would be totally impossible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can remember working for a consulting company back in the early 90s, and we spent, I want to say, $35,000 for a used silicon graphics yep. workstation. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. was still just barely capable of doing anything. We, we spent uh, much of our seed money, which we raised from families and friends 25 years ago, um, to buy, um, to do a down payment and a lease for our 3D printer, this, the sterile photography machine. Um, and then we bought a S two SGI Irixes that were used. And thank you to the SGI salespeople whose names I don't remember, who sold us their demo machines because they wanted us to succeed. And they went ahead and sold us those machines. And we did the same thing with HP. They sold us their uh, HP UX machine, uh, which was quite the, th that was a pretty high powered yeah. machine. Um, it kept the room warm as well. Uh, <laughs> and uh, those are the three machines um, that we started the company on. And it just kind of is phenomenal to think how that horsepower has changed yeah. through the years. Yeah, I remember my, my boss in that company in 1993 came into our office and he was all excited. He said, Tom, I think I found something, a really good steal. Mm -hmm. He said... I went down to this warehouse in Fort Lauderdale and this guy had a Silicon Graphics Irix workstation, <laughs> personal Iris. For, for Bruce Iris, it, yep. it was one of the little purple boxes. That's what we had. And that's what we he, had. Yep. he didn't know what it was. He just thought it was some server machine. And he sold it to my boss for, I think, under $1,000. Oh, wow. So Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is, so, he was the guy that had just bought a whole, you know, companies go yeah. bankrupt. He yeah. just bought all their hardware. Didn't know what it was worth. And didn't know what he had. Those had cameras on them too. It's kind of wild. Um, they had video cameras, which is, but you couldn't use them to talk to anybody unless they had another one. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> so. They also know, had some games that came on. I don't know if you yeah, remember. The oh, flight simulator. The yeah. flight I spent a lot of time with flight simulator. Well, there was a tank game. Tank game, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think SGI sold more machines with the flight simulator and tank yeah. simulator than they did with solving the numerics. The, uh, for those of you that remember those days or are curious about those days, when we do put our time capsule into the wall, I'll, I'll put a lot of this stuff uh, online so you can see. Uh, one of my favorites is an FAQ I wrote for when we were just hiring people. I don't know if it was Alex had joined or Ted had joined, but you know how to use the PADT compute system. And yeah, it's quite that, was, humorous. that was me in the mm -hmm. early days mm -hmm. doing some part-time stuff. Part-time work, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's quite humorous to, to read uh, those things. So let's talk a little about CFD. So, you know, FEA fundamentally, from a solver standpoint, has really only seen um, refinements to the original approach, right? We, we've been, we, we added more nonlinearities, better nonlinearities, better elements, more complicated elements, but it's fundamentally, it's literally and fundamentally the same solver, right? Mm -hmm. What about CFD? Has it changed under the hood much or are we still kind of solving the same stuff? It's still basically the same okay. thing. It's still a finite volume or a finite difference. Okay. Um, there have been a few codes. I think FIDEP was the only one that was ever a finite element. And uh, what was the one built in the ANSYS? Uh, 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 yeah, what was that called? 
Flowchan. Flowchan was a funny element. Yeah. That's why it was was able, they were able to merge it into the ANSYS solver. And there have been a number of other codes that have been written that use various other methods. I think EXA uses like P elements. EXA uses uh, Boltzmann lattice or lattice yeah. Boltzmann or whatever it's called. Yeah. 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 And other than that, there's pretty much. Okay. I mean, so just, just the same thing. Refinement. Refinement of the tools. Um, I mean, increases in the. Uh, accuracy of the turbulence models and multi uh, multi phase physics, combustion, all that kind of stuff has all been drastically improved. Icing simulations. Oh, yeah, I mean, icing I never thought that would be possible. Well, yeah. I, in '93, I think we looked at the first and early panel code because we had okay. a customer that was talking about wanting to analyze a, a yacht. Okay. They wanted to analyze whether or not it could get up on plane. Okay. And so we looked at the code for that. Mm -hmm. um, God, I had a, one of my bosses came to me one time and asked me if we could model an airbag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'll never be possible. <laughs> I, spent, I spent three days looking at it. And, um, I think Alice Dinah was as close as I came. I talked to, I actually talked to. Professor Hawquist. Uh, well, I talked to Hockwist. I talked to somebody that somebody that worked at one of the NASA facilities, okay. and he said we had a code that could sort of do that kind of thing, and so I went through all the process to get all the paperwork done so I could get access to this code, and came to my boss three days later and said, "Hey, I think I found a solution," and he was like, "Oh, never mind. I, that customer didn't fall. That Cost customer fell through." through. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so we, we laugh because, yeah. um, and, and there's probably problems like that. Now, that's probably a good next question, but because um, we looked at some of these things. We'll never have the compute power. We'll never have the the ability to solve. This is a good question. To solve a problem like an airbag, other than a relatively simplified case, what do you guys think changed to make it possible? Because the formulation so the was airbag there in thing is it's been there for a long time. Yeah. So first of all, it's not a fluid problem. It's not a problem. No, it's a combination problem. It's a fluids and a structure because problem. I, that's it's well, it's I, true I don't think FSI. that's how it's handled in, in Dyna. It's a it's a it's so just in, a pressure load. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But that's right. Tom brings up a good point in that one of the things that has changed yeah. is the ability to couple Two these codes yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fluid structure yeah. interaction. Fluid structure yeah. That particular problem can be solved with a pressure yeah. load. To answer your previous question, how fundamentally things have changed with CFD, I would say. Where you couple physics, yes, where new methods just you know, different methods show up, and sometimes they change the rest. Well, that's right. For example, the diffusion elements that are available in ANSYS now are, are a response to being able to support diffusion between FSI, yeah, yeah, and so maybe the, the, the uh, contact, right, exactly. to be able to support diffusion. That's, that's exactly so, we needed point. a new element type for that, yeah, and so we have one now. So, yeah. coupled CFD simulation might be the same mm -hmm. as, as many, many years ago, but yeah. New fit, new multi-physics problem now need mm -hmm. new methods to mm -hmm. couple it. That's a good way to look at it is that, that's a good point. On the CFD side, you know, solving the flow is different. But you guys have, I say you guys in a non-derogatory way, right? Uh, you, guys, <laughs> you guys add new models, right? And right. that may be a new turbulence model, right? You right. get There's this new whatever Epst, all these Greek letters, turbulence model that right. you put in or a new combustion chemical reaction or like a you're talking about diffusion or multi-physics. That's where a lot of the effort is coming. Right. And to some extent on the, on the, to some extent on the 
not so much, at least in 25 years. Sometimes I look at ANSYS Multiphysics 25 years ago, and we had acoustics, we had CFD, we had uh, high-frequency and low-frequency electromagnetics, we had flow in tubes. We had all this capability built into one solver, but it, but it just was so hard to solve. Right. And we didn't have the, I think back to you, to Sina's point, we didn't have the interface capabilities. Right. So yeah, if it was a couple matrix, like we could, we, we still can do electromagnetics, thermal stress, a couple other things in there using one element that's got all those different degrees of freedom in it. But where we ran into problems is when we try to do load transfers and that's greatly improved. Yeah. I mean, as I see it, the big difference is that finite element fundamentally you guys add capability by adding new element types correct mm -hmm. correct fluent and all the other cfd codes add new capability by adding in new equations that are solved on the gotcha. same type of element gotcha we don't it's ever change elements the only thing that's changed in element capability is going from uh hex mesh yes. to tet mesh to now polyhedral mesh and other than that, the other than that, the, the equations are still basically yeah. the same fundamental equations. That's a really good point. Yeah. So so I guess that's that's brings up the question kind of forward looking of airbag, great example, some FF, FSI stuff twenty-five years ago, we would have just laughed at and said no one's ever been able to solve that. What's the problem right now that comes comes in the door that we go, there's no way we can solve that that you think we'll be able to solve in twenty-five years? Well, there's the full gen engine simulation. That's that's a great one. That's the that's the dream out there. Thermal the stress, fluid, and and the the real obstacle there is really compute power, compute right. resources. Right. It's not so yeah. much on the uh, equations and formulations. It's more on the do I have yeah. the compute resources? Yeah. Yeah. To You're do just this. talking about going orders of magnitude higher in terms oh, yeah. of the, yeah. the amount of. Element. To solve the full physics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do those, you think we'll be able to do it in 25 years? If Moore's Law holds up, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if they can, you know, I mean, they talk about optical and quantum processing, mm. things like that, that could drastically increase right. the speed and the memory capability. Right. Mm -hmm. Any one of those things. Well, and that's, and that's, that's on the, uh, the compute resources side. Right. How, how can you get enough compute resources to handle the physics that we currently know how to get our heads around? And then there's there's another aspect of that. Like, for example, recently, uh, I can't remember what group it was, if it was NASA or a subcontractor that developed the very first um, ability to model the uh, star formation. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So um, that's what, what that is, it's an extremely tightly coupled field problem, right? Electromagnetics, fluids, um, as well as uh, structural components involving gravity and pressure and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> so that's, that's the other side of that. And it's hard to say, I, I, sky's the limit. I think that uh, I can't think of a problem today that simply can't be solved if you, you know, it, it really does come down to compute resources at yeah. the end of the day. Um, we got the equations, just, right? Yeah. The equations. Just thinking about it, the, the one thing I can think of right now that is really beyond the capability of the codes that we have is full up molecular electrochemistry. 
to actually okay. model a battery. The actual ions, the, the actual ions moving, and, yeah. moving, and all that kind of and stuff. And then on the macro scale as well, right? Well, that, to, that's, to that's a good point. all those scales. Yes, it's, yeah, that one, it's the different that's a scales. Good point. Multi-scale, multi-physics, and it's not just that, right? Because right. you know, you talk about at at the level of molecular dynamics, how how, how important are quantum effects? And does that well, need yeah, to be so that's the other problem. You well, get down to quantum. They're looking for an actual use for quantum computers because they're really cool, but. Well, two separate things. Model, right? Modeling quantum is two separate thing. things, yeah. right? Yeah. Using quantum computers to make use of the of the computing capability. Yeah, but it's not clear how useful that would be in modeling quantum events. Right. Using mm -hmm. quantum computing to model quantum events. I'm not sure that's a solution. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll we, to, we've always well, been in the Newtonian range. Yeah, always been always in the realm. realm. It's always been kind of a barrier. Not even realm. So if, we, if we're looking for like the next frontier, where's that barrier? Well, there's one. There's yeah, certainly one. one. Well, we yeah. can get into the down into the quantum. Yeah, level. yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yes, and but it, like the, the often quoted uh, original head of the U.S. Patent Office that said everything that can be invented invent, has, has been invented. Been I was that guy 25 years ago going, "There's no way we can model these things. We'll never have enough compute horsepower." I don't feel that way anymore. We'll oh, get yeah. the horsepower. Well, that's like that's yeah. like Bill Gates saying there's no reason for anybody to have more than a megabyte of memory. <laughs> it was less than that. It was less yeah. than that. It was 56k. Yeah, it was at 800 or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I I hope that uh, and and I'll ask our younger generation. You guys probably didn't even have. You don't feel like there's limits, right? That, that these things are going to get solved. Yeah, because you've seen it in your yeah. lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Again, uh, back to our first question: How things have changed when you look back. Yeah. The uh, memory you mentioned, the, the computing power, and also want to mention the the uh, managing, monitoring the simulation now we right. on our mobile devices, right? On the roads, on vacation, it's amazing. Yeah. Like I, uh, for good or bad, right? yeah, <laughs> positives and negatives. Well, I think, to the, yeah, I think, I think that brings up the other technological advance that's going to have to happen. What's that? In order to us, for us to be able to do it is post-processing. Yeah, exactly. To be able to actually thing? make yep. sense and gather useful information out of a CFD and structural simulation of an entire jet engine. Of that complexity. Of that complexity and that size. That, that's actually a good point. That's something that's kind of been neglected, to be yeah, honest with the you. Interface, the interface. Yeah, to treat, to treat that's right. To treat your, your post-processing database as the way... Other industries treat large databases, right? Right. To be able to query things very fast, right? To be able to get information on demand quickly in yeah. a parallelized fashion. I mean, there's been some glimmers of that. The ability to to do virtual rooms. Yeah. Um, there are companies like uh, John Deere that have rooms where you can have a virtual simulation of an entire tractor but but it's but it's simplified simulation but it's simplified simulation. yeah it's, it's not it's in one thing that hasn't changed in 25 years is how we handle the data generated by these codes mm -hmm. right that's right it's, the databases are pretty much the same thing right. yeah it's still right. displayed on a flat screen that's right and there's no, there's no good way to to query there's no fast good that's way true. to query the data that you want it's not really optimized in any way um, the way, you know, certainly not like a Google search, right? Right. A natural language, yeah. uh, hash yeah. table. Yeah. Or, or even even like the Wolfram app, right? Yeah. That, that goes out and culls huge mines of, of, of data. Right. And, be, and and you can you can extract entire matrices from that that you need and things like that, you know, in, in quickly. Right. 
And so that's kind of what needs to happen next. Yeah. And part of it is just that we don't even know what we want out of it. I mean, we still right. think of it in terms of two-dimensional images. Mm -hmm. We don't think of it in terms of three-dimensional complex images and complex post-processed results. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a really good point. But what else hasn't changed? So, I, I mean, I, I'm sure somebody that knows of one code or another where the database structure has changed. But in general, Fluent, ANSYS, CFX, right. HFSS, the, the, the bits are stored almost the same way. Maybe they're parallel now, but it's pretty much the same right. thing. What else hasn't changed? Uh, well, we're still using elements that are tetrahedral, hexahedral, 2D, quad, 2D triangle, line elements, you know, beams, spars, links. Discretized. Yeah. Discretized. Right. yeah. I mean, that's that, the nature of this. That's the true. nature. That's the true. The Mesh-free technology hasn't quite it's not shown up yet. It hasn't quite made itself known. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that that's coming as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the, the capability in Discovery Live is getting close to yeah. showing not, the promise of what that I hesitate do. to call that mesh-free. It's there mesh is hidden. There is mesh there. It's mesh-hidden. Mesh yeah. It's, it, there is actual, honest-to-God, mesh-free technology out there, and I think it's coming. Yeah. Um, it's got issues right now. They, they struggle with uh, things like um, approximation power. You know, you're supposed to, one great, wonderful thing about FEA, that the reason why it sort of jumped in and immediately became the star child of the simulation world was that uh, it had, it showed what's called optimal approximation power for polynomials, right? So polynomial approximation, you have, you have a second order element, you get third order convergence on displacement, you get second order convergence on stress, that kind of thing. Right. And so they're struggling with that right now on the mesh free side. They can't quite achieve that. Mm -hmm. And they're having trouble with stable stability, uh, condition numbers, things like that. You know that, and you probably have discovered this too, when you guys start getting to things like um, specialized element types, especially in, in like, what do you call it? Uh, I can't remember the name of this type of analysis, but the minute you go away from traditional element geometries, you start having condition problems, matrix condition problems. And that's something they've been wrestling with. But I think that's going to be overcome as well. There's ways to handle that. Yeah. Good. And and Alex knows about this because that was your PhD, right? It was meshless, yeah. contact and meshless. Was that that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. So he was part of contributing to that, uh, that movement forward. I think Artificial intelligence was another area 25 years ago that we thought would be common in, in our industry of simulation now. And it's still not quite there. I think we're starting to see some inklings, but again, yeah. hasn't quite. The whole been. idea of expert systems mm -hmm. really hasn't mm -mm. shown the promise. That, I wanted to find my bug, dang it. Yeah. I, I know that I screwed up a contact pair somewhere in that model. I wanted it to find it for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like flying cars. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting well, closer on flying cars. Self-driving cars. Self-driving cars. Yeah. Right. I never thought that would happen. Close to right. Autonomous vehicles. That's what we're supposed to already have. We're supposed to already have them, right? Yeah, it's close. They still, close. Have, their, yeah. They still yeah. have their limits. So um, that's good. We talked, we talked about what, what hasn't happened, what has happened, what might happen in the future, what might not happen in the future. Um, you know, there's one other thing that, yeah. you know, is in thinking about what we're going to talk about here today, I was thinking about, okay, 25 years ago, what were we dreaming about Good, that it would great. be nice to be able to do? And the thing that instantly popped into my mind back then, we would sit around and say, you know what would be great is if we could bring in CAD parameters and That's use right. them in our simulation. Yeah. Because back then, there was no way to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you made it dumb and you meshed it. Yep. 
Yep. Right. Done. Yep. <laughs> Check that box. Yep. That's a, that is a huge change that I forgot about. So just having parameters in CAD happened about 28, 29 years ago. Yeah. Um, maybe 30 now. Mm -hmm. um, so we were doing this parametric CAD thing, right? It changed to design. So you're, you're, are you referring specifically to feature-based modeling? So feature-based modeling with parameters, yeah. PTC, et cetera, about, about 30, 25 to 30 years ago. And about the time we started PADT, um, you know, that was one of the reasons why we started the company is because feature-based mm -hmm. parametric CAD was such a big advantage over other tools and we wanted to leverage that. And it probably was another 10 years before we could start, maybe even longer before um, ANSYS, uh, what's now called ANSYS Mechanical, was able to uh, connect to the CAD parameters. Right? It's hard to remember exactly what when that became available, but certainly Design Explorer mm -hmm. has, that technology has really enabled yeah. us to drive the design from the simulation. And you really have to give ANSYS kudos for that because it extends to all the products, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. And and they really made it. They they really made a big push on that. And there, you can parameterize everything you need to for the most part. Um, Doug just fielded a tech support question today, where you can't quite parameterize load steps in a table, right? Yes. But you can you can do it in APDL mm -hmm. and then get the my yes the, the my parameter back, back from each yeah. load step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Apart from those little things, you got to really hand it to ANSYS. They really, you know, they got it. They got it. They got it. And the parameters are everywhere and they're pervasive and, and they're good. Well, that, I, I'll put that back to John Swanson when he created APDL, which was a kind of this parametric design language, which is the name is ANSYS parametric design language for the typed interface to the old ANSYS solver. He basically said everything can be a parameter, right? Any value can be assigned a parameter value. And so, and then he added logic to it and yeah. you're able to do all the scripting. So, um, you know, I, I, I feel like um, they learned that lesson with APDL and, and through all the changes and all the acquisitions, it's a really good point, Ted. They've kept that CAD associativity and parameters coming across. Yeah, vision stayed alive. Yeah. And it, boy, what a time saver that has been. It, it yeah. really is. And it, 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 you got to hand, hand it to these guys that did that because when you pitch that, not everybody gets it. No, not everybody got it. Why would you want to do that? I remember, yeah. I remember seeing yeah. the customers them arguing. Well, it's much better for me to recreate. I, I remember when I was in the advisory council for ANSYS, they rolled out this CAD associativity. And I remember people in the room pounding on the table going, I want to recreate my geometry in APDL because then I control and simplify the geometry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't last very long. Yeah. <laughs> when you can just read it in, mesh it, make a change to the parameter and the mesh updates. Yeah. It kind of blows away that yeah. whole argument. Yeah, that's that's a great one. Anything anything else anybody want to add to the discussion before we close it up? Has been thinking about. For me, it's been a fantastic journey. I mean, all of us around this table have built a career around this tool set, and and thank thank you for not being a static. Can you imagine if we were still doing it the way we used to? We probably all would have shot ourselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, especially faced with the models that we have to build. We have to build out. I mean. Yeah. The great thing is, is every single release, regardless of the product, and I'm not just talking about ANSYS. We all know ANSYS, but well, some of the competitors literally have not changed in 25 years mm -hmm. and under the hood, but um, most of them have. And if we really step back and look at it, it's always exciting because there's always a new release. There's always something new to learn. Um, what a wonderful career choice that we either accidentally fell into or chose. Mm -hmm. So let's, let me ask that question. 
How did you end up doing simulation, Ted? Well, you know, uh, I came out here in, to Phoenix to interview, and I interviewed with several different groups. Mm-hmm. And the one I was most interested in was the one that did the finite element simulation, because I had done a little bit of that in school wow. my senior year. And, you know, I was really interested in that. But I didn't think that that was really the position I was being, I was interviewing mm-hmm. for. You know, they had you interview with multiple people right. just to, you know, yeah. scope you out. Um, but I, I almost as an afterthought when at the end of the day, they asked me, what are you interested in? And I'm like, well, should I mention that group? And I did. And I'm so glad I did yeah. because, you know, yeah. here I am. Well, otherwise, decades later. Guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, yeah. you'd be sitting in a cubicle at a corporate place doing, um, um, we, uh, do we have those bolts? Are they going to make it on time? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Not I to demean project engineers. I don't want to do that. But right. <laughs> what about you, Tom? I was going to say, mine was, mine was pretty much the same thing. I went to interview down at Pratt & Whitney in Florida. Mm-hmm. And they had already pegged me because I was a mechanical engineer. They'd already pegged me for the turbine group. And the guy that was showing me around said, well, you got one extra interview slot. Who do you want to interview with? And I said, I don't know. What else is there? And he thought about it. He said, well, there's this group doing hypersonics. Cool. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, he called up the manager that I ended up working for. And I sat down with him for an interview. And he started describing how the the design was going to work. And I started going like, well, that means this. And that means this and making intuitive leaps. He just set that hook and pulled. Oh, and he said, (laughs) he called them up apparently right after I left and said, yeah, I want him. Good. And when I walked into that group, um, I was there for two and a half months sitting in on a meeting with the government Mm -hmm. with my mentor sitting next to me in the back of the room. Yeah. And they were talking CFD this and CFD that. And and I leaned over to my mentor. I said, what's CFD? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, it's what you've been doing for the last two months. I said, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) You you started using it in in college, right? Yeah. So how did you end up choosing that as a a way academically? Well, eventually I, I, uh, I chose my, my master's mm-hmm. thesis to be a CFD, mm-hmm. actually a, a meshless um, oh, cool. flow simulation mm-hmm. using uh, smooth particle aerodynamics. Oh, yeah. cool. SPH, yeah. SPH, yeah. And then uh, my PhD was, was more uh, aerospace uh, uh, type of uh, CFD problems. You're sitting there looking, I could go into controls, I could go into heat transfer. Why, why did you pick uh, fluid dynamics? Uh, I would say uh, I kind of uh, I was open to most of this uh, uh, the problems that you mentioned. It was maybe the right time, right place yeah. <laughs> for me to yeah. to to be accepted to this program at ASU, and then met with my my supervisor who's working on, on these type of problems. Cool, uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, so I kind of followed that. And you were fortunate that Ping. Right is where yeah, you went. Yeah. Ping had that need. Yeah, exactly. So, so those of you who don't know, Ping is is a probably the highest tech mm-hmm. golf club maker in the world, mm-hmm. and they're they hire well the the guy that started Karsten is an aerospace engineer. Yeah, and he's hire, he hires aerospace people that work for him. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why their yeah. ATM clubs are so famous. And golf ball aerodynamics is actually yeah. one of the most complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Very complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
yeah. Prob- problems. Uh, actually, uh, yeah. Clint yeah. Smith here, uh, also manager, whose yeah. his, his whole PhD thesis was on, on that. Oh. So yeah. that's really amazing. pretty cool. Yeah. So Alex, I think you started as a design engineer, right? Yeah. And yeah. How, how did you? End so up? I didn't have the great fortune of being connected to aerospace the way all these guys <laughs> did. It's <laughs> uh, so yeah. I my career originally sort of pushed me into a project slash design role. Mm-hmm. And I chafed under that because um, <laughs> uh, in, in college, I was far more interested in the analytical and programming side of things, as we all, I think, are. Yes, in general yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and that's everybody's preference. So actually, I got into this by moonlighting at PADT. That's right, because you were a design engineer that's one of right. our customers, and we asked you to come help do design, and you started doing simulation. Yeah, I came here and started doing work, simulation work at night for you guys. Mm-hmm. That's right. So my mine was um, my degrees in mechanisms design. Um, I didn't do particularly well with anything that involved heavy duty math, um, and I was gonna. I wanted to be creative. I wanted to go out and design things, right? And um, I took the job. I did the same thing. I did the back back then when you interviewed Garrett slash Honeywell slash Allied Signal slash now Honeywell, they would interview with multiple groups, and. I, I just decided I kind of I kind of like the people that were in the group. I didn't even remember the name. It was like mechanical component design. That, yeah. And I thought, well, it's design. And, and and they did have some design engineers there. It wasn't the design department. But I thought, you know, I can do CAD. I was a very, very early user of CAD. So I thought they'll hire me to do CAD, right? They, 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 that's basically what they did uh, for one of the engine projects. And their idea was what we're going to do is we're going to take these young guys right out of college. And we're going to stick them into this group that specializes in simulation for six months. So they can just kind of learn the basics. So when they're back doing design for us, they know what the simulation guys are doing. None of us left that group. <laughs> All of us fell in love with analysis yeah. and simulation. And so we just, we never, we, when it came time to rotate back out, we all put in requests to stay in this, this specialty group. And Ted joined soon after that. Is that Larry Wynn's group? It was Larry Wynn was the senior supervisor and Anton was the supervisor. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we just, we just fell in love with this early, early days. And I literally couldn't spell FEA when I started. <laughs> I had no idea what it was when we slapped that ANSYS manual down in front of me. But all I knew was I could write code, which I love to do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I created something that yeah. was really hard to do. That's and right. it was challenging. Solved the problem. And I solved problems and the value that was delivered. So I think my, my pausing, my, my final comment, and, and I'd like your feedback on this around the table as well, is think about how hard it was 25 years old to build, 25 years ago to build a model. Mm-hmm. It took weeks to get an answer. That was not that accurate. It was accurate, but it wasn't that accurate. Um, and yet companies paid millions of dollars for the computers and they paid for all these. We needed far more people to do it because it took so long. And but there was value there. Mm-hmm. And and I think we have to realize that back then there was value. Now that we can go faster and get more accuracy and do multi-physics and do all these other things we can do, um, the value has even improved more. So I think one of the things that has changed in 25 years is the value that simulation de- delivers to product development has gone up pretty much at the same rate that compute power has gone up. And um and, and the codes have improved. And I think that's one of the things we should really step back and, and thank all the developers for is that this stuff really helps make better products really fast. Yeah. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I would say the big thing has been the, the changeover from analyzing a design after the design is already done. Or failed. Or yeah. failed to 
analyzing the preliminary design mm -hmm. to help direct the design effort that has been and it's just because of the speed issue yep. um, when i started it took three or four months to build a cfd simulation yep. the designers had to gone build through it, just to it. build it and not then you gotta run it, it to run it, it and then you bug it <laughs> so i mean the designers had already gone through three or four iterations after you got mm -hmm. the geometry yes. they'd already been doing more iterations mm -hmm. So you were always three, three or four steps behind them in terms of yeah. what you were analyzing. Yeah. So you could never analyze a design and, and influence the design, but you can now. Yes, that's right. In fact, which to the point now where you can actually get an entire solution done between design iterations. So right. we actually quote, you know, in that with you know we actually will do simulation quotes with that in mind. Mm -hmm. With the idea that yes, if the design is going to change, and we'll do a new simulation every time it changes. Right. Used to not be able to do that because right. it took so long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, take take golf balls, right? I mean, in the past, that's really cool, but why on earth would you do it? So, but now there's real. Let's share what the value is modeling golf sporting yeah. goods. Yeah, yeah. Right. and I think in general, the whole mechanical engineering being an old being such an old uh, field of science. Yes. Uh, if you look at the products, they now heavily depend the, 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 the evolution, evolution or revolution of products heavily depend on the, the accuracy of simulation yeah. now. Uh, there's no better way to get more mm -hmm. more knowledge and understanding of the physics going on. Yeah. In many ways, it's starting yeah. to really outcompete testing as well. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. You can get more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think a golf ball is a great example. Is yeah. You, you put the dimples on there, you change them. It yeah. goes a little bit further. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And what changes the dimples are going to make it go even further? Well, that's a great, that's a great application. Yeah. And it's really cool to look at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's always said that you guys make the best contour plots. Oh, yeah. 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 You guys still yes. have the biggest plots. Yes. Yeah. No question. We can't compete with you guys on that. Yeah, <laughs> on that front. Colorful. <laughs> and, and dynamic. Yeah. So, Ted, I'll give you the last word. Uh, you know, as you guys have been talking, I think what, sticks out to me is, you know, something most of us do every day is drive our car. And just think about, you know, 30 years ago, you were fortunate if your car lasted 100,000 miles. Right. And now that's, you know, cars with 100,000 miles on them are still selling for a lot of money yep. because there's still a lot of car left. And, you know, certainly manufacturing methods are a big part of that. But simulation plays a very large role mm -hmm. in improving products and that's, that's one crazy. example where we see that every single day. Mm -hmm. So uh, those of you who are listeners out there that may be overhearing your, I assume most of our regular listeners are simulation people, but if you're listening to your friend or, or, or significant other listening to this podcast, give them a big hug for making the world a better place through simulation over the last 25 years. And I want to thank all of the developers and salespeople and support people out there who over the last 25 years have taken this technology so freaking far. It's amazing when you really look at how far we've come. So I want to thank them for that. And uh, thanks for a great discussion, guys. I think we've gone for another two hours telling stories, but uh, we're, we're, we're over our limit, 37 minutes now. So we'll go ahead and call it a day. And uh, maybe we'll have another discussion at 50 years. We'll see. And our, with our, our uploaded personalities. <laughs> <laughs> Except for you, because you're young enough to where you'll still be around. All right. Thank you, everybody. That was great. It is really good to look back, to really have the opportunity to look back on something that has been so successful. Um, 
people could have spent the last 25 years doing something in an industry that doesn't exist anymore or one that really didn't make a big impact. So we feel fortunate to be part of the simulation world. Um, PADT has a LinkedIn page uh, called PADT's All Things Answers Podcast. You know, funny enough name for a podcast. And uh, what I thought I'd do is I created a discussion over there. So if you go to LinkedIn, we need one place where people can talk. Um, everybody listens to the podcast in different places. Our blog, if we open it up for discussion, we just get spam. So I'm going to try this on LinkedIn. Again, it's under PADT's All Things Answers podcast. So go to that page on LinkedIn, and there should be a post where I ask um, in the comments below, please share with everyone, one, what do you think the most important, beneficial, or impactful change has been in the ANSYS world? Or two, something that has not happened with uh, simulation that you wish had. So let's get some discussion going over there. Go ahead and, and uh, get on LinkedIn and give that a try. Let's see if we can make this a place where we can talk uh, after the podcast a little bit. And let's pause for a commercial break. Hi there. Eric Miller here to talk in a little more detail about a topic we bring up a lot in these podcasts, customizing ANSYS products to automate processes or add functionality. A significant portion of PADT's consulting work in the simulation world is working with customers to write custom software that sits on top of or even inside various ANSYS products. These programs can connect a legacy solver, import proprietary boundary conditions, or implement a new material model or custom fluid behavior. But most of the time, we work to write vertical applications that automate and standardize a specific customer simulation process. From chip packaging to family of parts simulation to turbine wheel geometry optimization, we can work with your team to provide productivity improvements that can make things up to 10 times faster than the current process. To learn more, Contact us at info at PADTINC.com or call 480-813-4884 and ask about ANSYS customization and automation. A little bit of programming can create an order of magnitude change in productivity. Okay, it's uh, Saturday, April 6th, like I said. It's on the weekend. We recorded this podcast, the discussion Thursday, and... Uh, now I'm doing the uh, the beginning and the end of it. Uh, so Friday, the stock market closed with ANSYS at 185.83. Um, and it was actually all the way up to 188 on the 3rd of April. So it's almost back to its pre-crash levels. And that's in less than 12 months. So if we look year to date and compare it to the S&P 500, the S&P 500 is up 18% and ANSYS Inc. is up 35%. So not a bad investment if you were savvy enough to know when the bottom of the market was, which uh, brings me to a kind of a related story slash note. Um, I was having coffee with a guy that uh, moved back to Arizona. He was born and raised here, went off to Wall Street to make his fame and fortune, and was one of those Wall Street traders that you hear about. Um, he was thick in, the, thick in the middle of it for years and years and years and years. And, and like I said, we were talking about startups, but I at one point I asked him, hey, I'm, I'm just kind of confused about this whole stock market thing. I follow this stock called Ansys because we sell it and we use it. And really, a lot of my career is based on it. So I'm very interested in it. And I can make no sense of how it goes up and down and when it does. And he basically said, yep, yeah, don't try and figure it out. <laughs> there's too many factors. It's too chaotic. The, there's, there's people looking at it and people looking at how people are looking at it and people who are looking at the people that are looking at it to see how other people are looking at it. So, um, you know, just continue to do a good job and the stock will go up. So I thought that was good advice, and I think uh, 
Uh, we hope to see continued success of the ANSYS company so they continue to give us great software. Um, speaking of the ANSYS company, their website's down. I, I don't know if they're doing a refresh or the server's down or some sort of power problem in, in uh, Pittsburgh, but since that was such a large, long discussion that we had, um, uh, we'll go ahead and skip news. I won't worry about trying to get some news from the ANSYS world. We don't really have anything uh, to report on the PADT side as well. I do want to do a big thank um, reach out and give a big thanks to Robbie Kumar and the ANSYS channel support team. Uh, Robbie uh, is based in the uh, Pittsburgh headquarter office of ANSYS. He's in charge of global channel strategy and programs. He's basically our boss at ANSYS. And, uh, you know, he flew out for our 25th anniversary. That means a lot. You know, our relationship with ANSYS has been very important to us. And uh, we were really honored to have him out here and say a few words. You can see what happened at our 25th anniversary party by going to our blog, www.padtinc.com slash blog, and search for PADT25. That's all one word, PADT25. And uh, I think the second article down is going to be a, a link to a, a little post I did about the party where I list all the different speakers from ANSYS and Stratasys and Carbon and Honeywell and the uh, Arizona Commerce Authority and Technology Council. It was a great event. But more importantly, there's some cool pictures in there so you can get a feel for what was going on. So do check that blog post out, padtinc.com slash blog, and search for PADT25. Um, we really don't have anything to talk about as far as blog posts go from ANSYS or PADT because ANSYS is down and we haven't published anything um, you know, one of the reasons why we haven't, as I've said for quite some time, we even took a hiatus from the podcast for a while is that we've been growing our ANSYS business. We've been adding new customers quite quickly. And, uh, Ted, who heads up our tech support group was looking at statistics and we pretty much grew the number of support calls we do in a year by 50%. So, uh, half again, as many tech support calls in 2018 as 2019, as 2017. So 2018 grew 50%. Now we have added people, but not enough. Certainly not half again as many. So hats off to the tech support team. I miss having them on the podcast. I miss the fact that they don't uh, have the time to do as many blog posts as they used to do. But uh, they've been doing a fantastic job of keeping our customers happy and growing. And I want to give them a shout out for handling that 50% growth. Uh, Event-wise, I'm off to Colorado Springs tomorrow, Sunday, to go to the annual Space Symposium. I guess it's their 35th. It's a big gathering of people that are involved in commercial and government space from around the world. It'll be my first time there. PADT's been there for quite some time. Uh, we'll have a booth, as I believe will ANSYS. So if you're going to be at the Space Symposium, find our booth, stop by, and say hi. I'm going to be there Monday night and all day Tuesday, uh, but I will be meeting with customers and such, but... Do look for people in PAD t-shirts and say hi and let them know you listen to the podcast. Uh, Jim Peters is going to do a webinar on ANSYS Motion. Uh, that's on the 10th. We're excited about this new module. Definitely check it out. Um, I'm a mechanisms design guy from back in the day. That's what my degree is actually in. So I really like this tool. I'm excited about it. Hope to blog a little bit about it. Um, it really uh, steps up our game in the rigid and rigid flexible simulation both uh, static and transient. So, so do attend that podcast. <clears throat> On the 24th, and not podcast, sorry, webinar. And you can get to the webinar by going to padtinc.com slash events and finding it there and registering. Or you can go to brighttalk.com and search for PADT. 
On the 24th, we have another webinar. We're going to talk about Insight uh, for ANSYS 2019 R1. So this is our high-end post-processor that ANSYS acquired a few years back. And as you would expect, we're going to see a lot more of the ANSYS tools exposed inside Insight, as well as some great enhancements as far as features and performance. And then lastly, in the month of April, I'll be in Long Beach at the AeroDef conference talking about design with metal additive manufacturing. So if you're going to be there, come to my talk. Um, if not, look for me in the crowd. I'll be there the whole time. I am easy to spot. I'm the middle-aged white guy that looks like an engineer at an aerospace engineering conference. Um, I think I've used that joke before. Anyhow, on that note, let's conclude. That sums it all up. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, spread the word. Let people know about the podcast. Uh, my last little thing is I have a surprise for our next podcast. So do check it out. I don't know if it'll be the next one or the one after, but we had a very special interview that anybody involved in the world of ANSYS will want to hear. I'm editing it uh, while I'm traveling in Colorado, and I hope to have it up soon. It won't be in the normal two-week two space. It'll be a special episode that we're very excited about. So look for your email or look for our website to see that coming. And hopefully you're subscribed, so just show up in your feed. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 34. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.